Welcome to the Channel Champions Podcast, powered by Evolve IP, hosted by Zach Anderson. Today, we'll explore the always evolving landscape of the IT, telephony, and communications channel. If you are a trusted advisor, strategist, IT consultant, or sales engineer, this one's for you. Today's guest is... All right, Mr. Jeff Garrett, thanks so much for coming on. We had a little bit of technical difficulties there, but um, yeah, representing Opcala today. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this is episode 001 with the Channel Champions podcast. I'm so excited that you uh, had some time to come on. So I wanted to let you kick it off and uh, just introduce yourself for those that don't know you and um, who don't know Opcala, although I don't know how they wouldn't, but go ahead and kick it off for us, Jeff. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Zach. So, um, yeah, my name's Jeff Garrett. I'm a VP of Solutions Architecture here at, at Opcala. Uh, we're a trusted advisor, advisory firm that's headquarters out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, but really, we work all over the U.S. and our customers take us all over the globe. Um, so it's, I'm a little over a year now. So um, officially started in March of 2022. So I'm just past the year mark now. So I guess I'm no longer the uh, the new guy. We've, there you go. we've grown like crazy. So uh, a lot of new faces in the office. So I don't get to be the new guy anymore. Sure. Um, but yeah, just uh, an exciting company to be a part of and, and, and what the guys here have built. And we're really happy to come on board and get the chance to come on and lead kind of the technical charge uh, um, really from the pre-sale side with, with our customers and vendors here at Opcala. Nice. So you guys are, are national then? Yeah. So we, I mean, we operate nationally. Like I said, we, we're headquarters in Charlotte, but we have customers all, all over the U.S. So, you know, our customer base and it really, I, I think part of that is Kala kind of came up. I mean, we actually just celebrated our, our four-year uh, birthday wow. um, on Saturday, this past Saturday from an official date, celebrated together as a team on Monday. Uh, so Kala being four years old, um, that you, you know what time frame that puts Opcala starting in. And so I think mm -hmm. you know, starting in the midst of a global pandemic, really, uh, you know, we got to be able to operate pretty efficiently as a new company over the web, you know, over our mediums like this, over Zooms, over WebExes, over Teams, and doing things remotely. So um, that's really, a, a, I think, contributed to us being able to take our business more to a national level, take our conversations more to a national level without having necessarily a physical presence nationally. Mm, sure. So you started in Raleigh, is that right? I uh, started in Charlotte. So, Charlotte. Yeah. So started in Charlotte. That's where the core of our team is now. We have, we have some that work, uh, you know, remotely in other areas, but the core of our team is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. So started up in 2019. Um, was it, a was it regionally, you know, was your customer base more regionally located around that area? I mean, how did you break into the national market? Um, so, you know, some of that is just relationships. Um, so a lot of the customers, yes, we're, we're regional based, but, you know, we have, um, you know, the, the founders of the company, uh, reps coming in, just people with connections. Um, and, and that really takes us into, into some of these other markets. Um, and then. You know, we have our sellers that come in from all aspects of life too. And as an example, one of our sellers was a former football player at Michigan State. So he's, you know, he's got connections in, um, up in that area. And then those connections move to other areas. So really we just, we just strive to make those connections wherever we can 
um, and use technology to affect customers, even though we can't be face to face with them. Yeah. And, and, you know, relationships, I guess in the, in the channel world, right. Is really the, the name of the game. And, you know, I'm, I'm still relatively new to the channel myself. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm so excited to, to t dive into this and learn more about that. But I mean, that's all really all you hear anymore is, is just how, you know, no matter what, it's really about the relationships that you have. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you guys are such a new company, but because you have, you know, all these different relationships and you, and you have folks that come in and bring that with them that you've just kind of skyrocketed your growth in such a short amount of time. I mean, is it luck or was it, you know, did Hopkala did kind of plan it out that way? Um, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it's the attitude that the team has here. Um, sure. You know, you come in with the, you know, come in again with great relationships um, that we, we forged over the years, um, coming, a lot of us coming from the background of, you know, kind of being, you know, in a pre-sales consulting role in the technology world before this. And mm -hmm. so you kind of bring, bring those connections with you, uh, bring those relationships with you. Um, you bring that trust with you. And that's a big part of it is, you know, People are really looking for that voice that they can trust. And I think you know, we have a good team that has done that and has established that trust where people want to come along with you on that journey. Um, I think one of the other things that's played in our favor too is uh, I, people, I mean, you know, partners, customers, I think everybody gets excited about helping people succeed. Uh, yeah. I think that's something that's just a little, maybe even a little bit more prevalent now than it was 10, 15 years ago um, is, you know, helping others succeed and, and seeing the success others are having and saying, Hey, you know, I was a small part of that, or it's just, you know, I, I helped, you know, I was one of their customers. I was one of their providers. And so I think we're benefiting from that, from that feeling too. We have a lot of people that are, are pouring into us to make, help make us successful. Mm -hmm. And so when you have, you know, a strong culture like that and everybody's sort of moving in the same direction, they're sort of like an aligned strategy. I mean, do you think, that trickles down to the customer. Do you feel like you have better rapport because the customer knows that you are, you know, Akala is, has such this, the strategy that makes them confident in, in working with you versus another consultant company? I mean, is that, would that be fair to say? I think absolutely. I think that's something I've seen here, you know, compared to other places I've been involved with, other places I've worked. Um, you know, just hearing other customer stories is, uh, there, there's a there's been a real focus here by leadership on uh, on the employee, right? On the employee's goals in, in themselves. What are you trying to accomplish as an employee? Um, you know, not what are you coming in to do day to day in your work, but like really, what are you trying to accomplish in your personal, professional, financial life? Sure. And I think when you make the conversation about that to the employees, and they're thinking about day to day like that, that translates to the customer because now you're going to the customers and, and they're native just naturally we're all having those conversations because that's that's what we're thinking about day to day at our own jobs what am i trying to accomplish personally professionally financially you go to a customer what are you trying to accomplish mr customer instead of hey here's this thing i can sell you mm -hmm. yeah i kind of makes me think of like you know uh like your relationship with your spouse right like if if you're on sort of like rocky terms, um, with, with your home life, like then you can't be super confident in your work life. And I think it's, I'm kind of getting that with, with what you're talking about. You know, you've got such a strong culture that 
you know, you feel confident when you go and talk to your customers that it just, it kind of permeates through, you know, from the top down, you know, I, I think that's really cool. Um, excellent. So you talked about, you know, how different it is at, at Opcala versus other companies. I mean, so how did you, how did you get into Opcala? How did you hear about them? I mean, um, obviously you're a year in now and, you know, I mean, how long have you been in the, the, uh, technology industry? So a little over 20 years in technology right. altogether. Um, so I, I, you know, I went to school for technology. I went to school actually to be a developer, yeah. um, started, uh, really started my after school career with a, a global manufacturing company, um, the, in the Atlanta, Georgia area and, and um, started was a, like I said, started as a developer, um, was hoping to do at the time, um, early two thousands was hoping to do a little bit more modern web development, some things like that. And I did a little bit of that. And then they, uh, they wanted me to help troubleshoot some, you know, old, uh, AS 400s and some old mainframes. And I, I really didn't feel like I was the right for that. And, you know, go sit, you know, it's, I always say it's, it was development before Google made development cool. And like, you know, developers got sleep pods and all these fancy mills and everything. It was go yeah. sit in this dark, in this dark gray cube in this dark corner with no windows and write us some code. Yeah. You no, know, um, I decided, you know, to get out of development, which led into desktop support, just, you know, being in a help desk, working on a help desk, uh, enterprise application support, and then into the data center. Uh, which ultimately led me to a reseller I was at for 11 years. Um, and at that reseller doing, um, acting as a pre-sales architect, um, helping customers with data center infrastructure, with cybersecurity, with networking, with cloud infrastructure. Um, I actually worked with who would become one of the founding partners of Opcala, Jim Campbell. Yeah. He was a rep at that company. I was his architect. Him and I ran around together for six or seven years. Wow. Um, selling hardware. So, so it was almost like it was meant to be. It was almost like it was meant to be. So we, we talked about it and, you know, we obviously kept in touch is, is he, he that life to build, start building this. And, um, yeah, I just became more and more excited about it. And the stars aligned where it was possible for maybe me to make a move and it fit with the team, um, which, you know, again, going back to that culture thing, I'm glad I, they thought I was a right culture fit because uh, it's been exciting. It's been very exciting to be here and, and, and be a part of this journey. Sure. So is that a pretty common journey? I mean, you go from developer to sort of sales and operations. I mean, you know, I, tell I me think, about that. Yeah, I think you see some of that common journey, maybe not necessarily from, the, you know, developer to to infrastructure that, but I think a lot, you see a lot of starting, you know, starting on the customer side of the table and, mm -hmm. and, and coming to this side, especially, you know, the technical people, right? When, when you're the technical guy having the conversation, um, it helps to have those experiences that the people you're talking to have gone through. So I think you're, right. you know, you'll find a lot that that's, that's where, you know, most of us that are on the technical side of sales that are the architects that are pre-sales engineers, you know, our background tra traces, traces to being on the customer side and, you know, working. <laughs> being the one on call and answering the phones and turning the knobs and, you know, pushing the buttons and doing all that fun stuff and have lived that life and know their pains. Right. And it probably, I mean, it probably makes it easier when you are talking to a customer, um, when, you know, they do ask some of those more technical questions. I mean, if you didn't have that, you know, developer background, right, you probably wouldn't be as, um, tactful with your, you know, conversations, right? Yeah. I mean, the things, you know, the things that 
adapt. I mean, it's technology, right? It's things are changing constantly. So the way I did things 10, 12 years ago is not the way things are getting done today, obviously, but, um, there's always aspects of it. You know, we, we, you know, from a technology standpoint, you just talk about how things come in cycles and it's, it's kind of the same concepts that are repeating just with updated new, um, ways, new technologies, new ways of doing things. But some of the concepts are still the same things that have been around for, for decades. And so mm-hmm. you can have those conversations, right? You have those shared experiences. You have those, um, really war stories is what they are. Right. Cause ultimately what happens with all of us technology guys is when we get on the phone and start sharing war stories and how yep. we've all screwed up at some point in time and what system we brought down and what network we brought down and what cable we unplugged. Um, yep. so. I mean, we, we pass the master of disaster tag around and share our war stories to, to make our connections. Do you have a good one for me? Oh, let's see. I probably had, could have several. Um, yeah, the first one that comes to mind is you know, when I was working on the customer side, uh, fortunately it was our QA dev test environment, but I'd gone into the data center. I was trying to troubleshoot some stuff um, on the switch, one of the switches that basically was the core switch for, I mean, this was you know, 15 virtual hosts running maybe 200 plus dev test VMs. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought I was unplugging the crash cart, right? So you roll into the data center, you have the crash, right. they're plugged in your commands in the terminal, reach up to unplug the crash cart and I unplug the switch. Yeah. Cause it was dev test. There's no redundancy in the switch. Sure. Uh, so, but yeah, that, that doesn't mean developers don't get upset. So. <laughs> I realized what I'd done. I plugged it back in real quick. I stayed on the raised floor. I wasn't going to walk out into cube land and, and take the rats, but still like four people come running through the door going, everybody's dead. Everything went down. <laughs> yeah. There, that's one of mine. There's probably oh, still others I could tell. So what happened? I mean, everything, everything. Was yeah. Good. So, I mean, like I said, fortunately that test is just the network switch. I mean, no servers or anything. I didn't unlock, I didn't unplug the power. Then unplug power to servers, just the switch. So it boots back up. Everything starts operating normally again. It just, it takes a while for it to do it, but it was long enough that some people got upset. Right. And how much sweat was on your body at the time? Um, I, yeah, you know, again, fortunately being, I knew it was dev test. It wasn't sweat, but it was more the, uh, flush red gill. Like, I don't want to go face anybody. Please don't tell anybody it was me who did this. Like, yeah. I um, <laughs> And a lot of that too, because I joke about the master of disaster, but at that company, we actually had a name tag because for our cubes, mm-hmm. the master of disaster. So if you call the latest self-inflicted oh, outage, geez. you got the master of disaster tag hanging on your cube. So oh. that's yeah. the little, little self-inflicted um, harassment from my colleagues that right. get that. And so then maybe it helps you not do it again. I was going to say, those are sometimes the best, uh, you know, the best learning experiences are right. the ones that are a little bit traumatic, right? Exactly. It's <laughs> funny. So with regards to the channel, how did you break into the channel? Was it uh, like, at what point in your career did you, did you kind of break into that space? Yeah. I mean, so the, the, the resale I looked for before there's, there's a little bit of interaction with the channel. I mean, a, a lot of that is, you know, us being. A, a provider or reseller, um, in the market for our customers, um, you know, to the, to the realm of, um, you know, t- the, the TSD world, I really didn't know about that until 
coming to Alcala until mm. you know, hearing the story of Alcala as I talked to, you know, my friends and colleagues and the founders here of how they were going to business, um, which was interesting to me. I, I really not seen it done, really not heard of it done that way because before I'd worked for a company that was you know, solely focused on you know, kind of signing up vendors ourselves, being that mm. reseller, mm. being the architects, the technical voices in the room. And then deciding at the end of the day, oh, we're going to resell this product or we're going to resell this product and, and, and talking with customers about that. So, mm-hmm. so it was really when hearing about the opportunity here at Opcala that I started to learn about the TSD providers in the channel and, and what they brought and kind of the resources they brought to bear, both from a sales and mostly for me, the technical side of things that they could mm-hmm. bring and the resources they could bring to help engineering and technical um, uh, resources at a company like Opcala. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so touch on that. How does a TSD really enable a company like Opcala? I mean, if like you want to put a percentage of your success is based on a TSD or something like that, but how much of your success really comes from that, you know, comes from a TSD? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so, you know, it kind of goes back to what you were asking earlier about being successful and you know getting to being a four-year-old company but getting to success fast and um, being really able to do that with you know three years without having a technical resource mm-hmm. on the sales side and it's not that they didn't have technical resources they have technical resources through tsds mm-hmm. so so now i can come in and help with technical strategy about how we go forward as we grow as a company but still lean on the experience of the TSDs on those mm-hmm. talents, on those teams that so I could kick things against them. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I think our sales teams did the same thing before I was here. So really it puts you, you know, I can't imagine going through this without that support and help because you're kind of creating it on your own and you have your network right. and you have something to kick against, you know, some people to kick against, but really with the TSDs as a young company, they can help us say, Hey, here's where we've seen other agents be successful. And yeah. here's where we've seen some stumbling blocks. He'd just come along and be a mentor. And so it's really more than just servicing the role of, hey, let us help you evaluate products. I mean, it, it's really some business mentorship um, mm. that helps you get going. And I think that really um, anybody new coming into that space and using TSDs are, are going to get that benefit of having that partner alongside them that helps them grow as a business and invest mm. in them. That's interesting. I mean, obviously there's technology consultant companies, um, that are out there that I guess are there technology consultant companies that don't use a TSD and are they, I mean, can they still find success without it? I mean, it seems like with such a, a young company like Opcala, you know, and, and how much you're, you know, how much praise you're giving to these TSDs, is that uh, replicatable for every company or is there a secret sauce? I mean, you know, what's, what is that like? I mean, is yeah. there even space for a, a technology consultancy company to, to thrive in this sort of channel atmosphere without a TSD? Um, I, I, I think there can be, but I, I think when it comes to, you know, the way Alcala wanted to go to the market and really talk across a wide range of technology conversations, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was essential for them to have that support of that TSD to do that from day one. Right. Um, and, and not try to develop into that over time. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can certainly come along with technology consulting companies that aren't reliant on TSDs and, and do more direct partnerships. I think what you end up is 
if you kind of get in the reseller space, what you'll see uh, traditionally um, in that space is the resellers are going to align themselves to certain providers. So you're going right. to get right. Yeah, we're we're a big Cisco reseller. We're a big HPE reseller on the telecom side. Maybe it's like we're really focusing on AT and T or Spectrum. You know, and, and they really dive in with certain vendors in certain areas. Um, and that was, that's what helps them ele elevate their game quickly is because they're being very specific. They're being very pointed. Mm. Um, and there was a goal at Alcala to, to not tie ourselves. We didn't, we didn't right. want to feel like we were, um, beholden to anybody else, right. To somebody coming in and, you know, like, even if it's a, a main provider or vendor for backend dollars or anything like that. So mm -hmm. they wanted to start with a wide breath and, and I'm a big believer. If you look across any market, you need to look at where a company started because that's what their foundation is, is kind of who they are. It's hard to adjust a foundation, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Mm -hmm. so I think if we would have started with that foundation of being, you know, solely targeted on providers, knowing that's not what we want it to be, it would have been hard to adjust going forward. So knowing what Kala wanted to be out of the gate, I think the founders, the leadership were very it was very apparent to them, we can't do what, you know, we've seen done in other companies we were at mm -hmm. and how we're going to do that is through these TSDs because mm -hmm. they give us out of the gate, you know, all those resources that, that wide breadth of conversations that we need to be who we want Apcala to, to be in five, 10, 15 years. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then you're, if you're, uh, if you're sort of siloing yourself or if you're sort of stuck with one solution so to speak or one provider maybe that's not right for the customer right maybe they don't want that specific feature set and by not pigeonholing yourself into one provider you just have so many really really it's more for the customer right you're you're putting the customer first and you're not putting the solution or the provider first you're you're not trying to fit a square peg in a round hole sort of thing kind of what i'm getting from there yeah right i mean and, you know, there are, I think there's companies that can be very successful with, you know, being specific to a provider and they can probably offer services that, you know, services maybe we can't, I mean, maybe there are, you know, some managed services they get into. There are some, um, you know, professional services they get into. And I think that's really what you see with a lot of those organizations who are getting more vendor specific is they're, they're tying that into service offerings they're doing. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we had this idea of, we don't really want to go that way because, um, you know, well, we could, we could develop all these services and what we want Opcala to be is more of a, a data and analyst advisory firm. Mm -hmm. So I'd say instead of going more towards, towards services, we want to sit more, you know, toward like what a Gartner is and what mm -hmm. some of those organizations are, um, where we have this through the TSDs and, and you know, through other areas of business, we can just, we can have this huge portfolio behind us and huge support behind us. And then we can be the ones that kind of go out and help customers do the analysis without having to, you know, do, Hey, you know, here's $70,000 a year to your local gardener rep to tell you what he thinks the latest and greatest things are. Um, right. I think that's a big part of who we are when you talk about culture is, um, you know, it's, is we want to collaborate. We want to share information we want to do that with our customers without it coming at a cost right so i mean is that you know is that one of the main benefits for a customer 
when they're looking for a technology solution, I guess, what's the main benefit of using like a, a technology consultant company versus just buying direct from the supplier? I mean, it's kind of the same concept, right? Yeah, I think where that start, I think where that conversation starts is especially today, um, technology plays such an important role in business. Mm-hmm. And even non-technical business. If you think about some of the, you know, historically, some of the business and industries that have been very much like look at IT as a cost center and, and like, you know, kind of push that to the side, like manufacturing. Today, manufacturing is investing heavily in technology because everybody realizes that's just a core of our business. That's what's going to drive business forward. So your technology people, your IT people, your technology leaders in these companies, um, they are having to be asked to, to deal with the business now, not just deal with the knobs, not just deal with the button, but with their head down dealing with how are we helping the business go forward? Right. Um, and that's more on their plate than is that they still have to keep the lights on, but now mm-hmm. they have to help the business drive forward into the future as well. And right. so they have even more on their plates and don't really have the time necessarily day in and day out to go say what's happening in the market. Um, right. And technology shifting faster than ever is what it seems like day in and day out, especially now with things like, you know, you see AI coming along and how quickly things seem to be developing to the point where even technology people are going, Hey, maybe we should slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's the rate of change. And so I think where having that consultant starts as a benefit is us being able to say, that's our job. Like that's our job day in and day out is I do nothing other than go start looking at the industry, looking at what's going on using our resources in the background, using other customers we work with so that you don't have to go do that. So right. Mr. Customer, you can go focus on these things your business is asking you to, and then we can bring you all this information that has nothing to do with a, a certain vendor. It has everything to do with a topic and a solution and things that are going on in the market to start right. that conversation. So then right. they don't have to go spend hours on Google and wonder if you know, based on the Google hits, is this really the right answer? Or is this somebody who just paid Google to get higher in the search? Exactly. Yeah. And then one thing I was going to ask you too, just because you're very in tune with the market. I mean, do you see a trend of like with the recession that's some say there's a recession, some say there's not, but I mean, do you see, do you see companies that are, are they spending more in IT? Or are they spending less? I mean, are they being asked to do more with less as far as an IT, from an IT standpoint? I know there's a lot of conversation about security right now. So there's obviously C-levels, managers, executives, they're very focused on security. You don't want to have a security solution after you have a breach, right? But are you seeing a trend towards, you know, less IT spend? I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, I think think we're seeing a trend toward um, more cautionary spending. Okay. And, and it's, you know, cause I think they realize and with technology being coming more of a central hub, mm-hmm. we can't just stop spending on technology. Right. Um, but, but I think, you know, you can, I, I think maybe pre COVID really, you were, we were almost in this golden age of technology was businesses were starting to realize that technology was a central piece mm-hmm. and that you know, we have to drive forward in technology because they're almost spending on technology without even thinking about it. Right. Right. And so I think we got into this overspending, um, you know, pre COVID and as COVID hit and now is, you know, financial, um, question marks are around, you know, I think people are trying to say, okay, we know we still have to drive forward in technology, but we have to be 
more conscious about what we're doing. And we have to evaluate this better. And we have to make sure that when we spend, it's in the right area. And so sure, we're seeing cost consolidation come about in those conversations in certain areas, but then maybe some of that cost has shifted to another area. So I think it's mm. well, being more aware of, of what they're buying. Um, mm. You know, and, and kind of plays into that, you know, in, into the cost thing. I think a good surprise example of that is when COVID first hit, many of us thought, all right, batten down the hatches because people are about to stop spending on technology. And, you know, are, you, you're waiting for companies to start going under, you're waiting for, you know, providers like Opcala, for resellers like I used to, to start having problems. And you really saw those companies start to thrive. Mm. And I think one of the reasons was because everybody realized the only way we're going to get through COVID is through technical means. We need Zooms, we need WebExes, we need webinars, we need online collaboration tools. Um, we need better security things because people are working from home. So we need better cybersecurity postures because they're not inside our four walls. Mm. Um, and so you, you started seeing really an uptick in spending during COVID because maybe they weren't having to spend as much on physical building, on resources like electricity and, you know, and, and power and cooling. I mean, all those things that go into physical locations kind of shifted to, hey, we have to adapt our technology. Um, mm. So that, that was interesting. I think that's where we started seeing you know, better use of spending and technology. And I think that will continue to go forward in this financial realm is that we, we've, it's not going to stop spending. It's not going to put a hard break on spending and technology. It's just going to shift that spending and customers are going to be more conscious about how they're spending their dollars um, mm. because it needs to make sure it's driving their business forward. Do you think that those, you know, those shifts to, I mean, you said, you know, consolidating, um, consolidating costs, but do you think that shaped the next couple of years of technology spending for, for organizations where they're looking for more consolidated solutions versus, like you said, you know, sort of like the golden age where we're spending a ton. But I mean, what really stuck? Like what, what are companies still doing and what are they going to continue to do a couple of years from now? I mean, what's going to stick and what's working for them now? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think in that shift, um, you know, we started going to that as a service shift, right? And kind of getting to everything as a service. And some of that started with, getting away from capex and more to opex but i think mm -hmm. what industries are, are looking at now is, is a big talking point is um and, and we have this it seems like you know day in day out we have this conversation like i said i come from you know an infrastructure background for years and it used to be an infrastructure you go buy your servers your storage your network right i'm going to run vmware i'm going to go run all my servers, they're going to run all my virtual desktops, they're going to do everything in my data center on-prem. I'm going to buy all this hardware, I'm going to depreciate over three or five years, and then I'm going to come back and buy all this hardware again mm. and do the same cycle. Every three to five years, I'm just going to keep doing this cycle. And, you know, that's where you get people just buy and, and things become, you get all this technical debt that's just kind of sitting there, maybe not being used, not being used efficiently. And I think what the cloud has brought us and as a service has brought us into is companies realizing, oh, I can get this stuff on demand. I can get mm -hmm. this stuff as I need. I can spin it down when I don't need it. Mm. And, you know, if I do it the right way, I think, I think some of this cloud has gotten a bad rap because it is expensive. If you do a traditional, if you do cloud in a traditional on-prem way, it is expensive. But if you adapt the way you're thinking and look at it as, 
hey, this is an on-demand. This gives me the capability to get just in time, right? What do I need for my company? Um, it aligns much better to that cost consciousness and spending the right dollars in the right way at the right time. Right. So yeah, I think so, the as a service model, you know, to kind of long way to answer your question, but I think that as a service model shift is that that's going to continue to be here on and with us for a while. Um, and we're just going to see that adapt into different modes and different, you know, industries, you know, move to that and maybe some consolidation within that of, you know, providers of who, who can provide maybe more of, um, yeah, right now I think it's kind of scattered of who provides what services, but I think consolidation of who can provide those services more in, in one, you know, one pane of glass. But I think that yeah. this model's here kind of to stay for a while. And do you think like so with this shift to the cloud, I mean, obviously there's still a ton of organizations that haven't made that jump yet. But I mean, you know, as a you know, as Opcala, you know, like how do you start that conversation? Because it seems like it would be really potentially overwhelming, you know, you've got all this on-prem infrastructure, right? And now you've got Opcala coming in and saying, hey, you know, you're going to move everything to the cloud and it's going to be better. But I mean, how do you even start that conversation? I mean, is it is it a, a pain point? How do you drive that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you have to be careful because, uh, you know, some people are going to be adverse to the word cloud. Um, yeah, you, you're going to say that and it's like, nope, that doesn't work for us. That's never going to work for for us as an organization, um, the thing is, they may be right. Ultimately, it may not be the right choice, but I think we have to understand that and, and not go in just assuming that everything has to go, you know, to it, in this silo. Everything has to move from one silo to the next silo. Um, really, where I like to start those conversations is in three areas. I typically would say, you know, tell me about for your organization, your business case, your use case, and what's your strategy for your application. Because that's your core of your business, right? Is your day in, day out, your users are interacting, your, your customers are interacting with applications in your business. So let's talk about those three things because that will probably give us an idea of if cloud is right for you and what mode of cloud is right for you. Because you can go you know, public hyperscalers, you can go SaaS based, you can go more shared services, you know, as a service. So there's a lot of different models out there that I don't, people may not even be aware of. I, I think some people just think, when they think cloud, they think AWS and Azure. And there's so many different offerings that can help customers make that transition, but it's starting the conversation at the right place. So, so that's where I like to start it. Business case, use case, application strategy. So the ones that aren't totally averse, you know, when we're talking about something like desktop as a service, for example, of the ones that, that are open to the idea of moving to sort of a cloud structure, where do you find that they become interested in something like a virtual desktop for their, you know, may maybe not even for remote users, but obviously we have a lot of organizations that have hybrid users nowadays or, you know, all remote, you know, we have some that are moving back into the office, but I mean, you've had success in desktop as a service, obviously, but how do they make that sort of jump, right? Yeah, I, I mean, so there, there's a few, there's probably several different areas we get in here of, of what customers show up. I think some, there's the customers who have done desktops themselves, right? So you go back to that, I've done it on-prem, we, we've done it for, for internal, for our users, for a call center, whatever it may be, we, we've run this ourselves. Um, we see the value in it, but there is, there's a lot of cost going into keeping this. And, and I... I think that's one thing that the organizations that have run desktops and run virtual desktops themselves understand that maybe 
organizations that are just getting into running virtual desktops maybe don't haven't seen or don't understand yet is that is probably one of the most expensive things that you can deploy on-prem is a robust virtual desktop infrastructure. Sure. I've seen those cost more, be more complex than any server, virtual server infrastructure um, of a company. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, really what you're focusing on at the desktop is you're focusing on, you know, that user experience and, and how am I getting my users to work? How am I getting them to work securely? How am I getting um them into our applications again kind of going back to application strategy maybe the last thing that the business wants to focus on is all that underlying hardware that keeps them from even focusing on the application so i think the ones that have done it already know we see the benefit of it we see the benefit in these users having this this desktop within more control of our environment where we can control the image, we can control what's on it, we can control how it communicates, we can give them a better experience to work with, but now somebody else can come along and handle all the craziness of the hardware underneath mm -hmm. and we get this environment so it's right sized to us. So I think that shift is the easier conversation. The ones mm -hmm. that understand it and um and, and just know that, hey, this is expensive. Mm -hmm. Um for the ones that, you know, for the customers who maybe haven't been down that path yet. Um, you know, you leverage that experience with those companies to say, hey, I, I can tell you that the TCO is probably going to be better over here than you having to kind of figure out on the fly what this sunken cost of hardware in your data center is going to look like to run a full, robust virtual desktop environment and then have the people to manage that because it takes day in, day out management. It can't just be somebody's side job to manage mm -hmm. the desktop infrastructure. Right. Um, it, it, but walking in down the path of why virtual desktop may be important to them, you know, I think that goes back to the hybrid world we live in. Because mm -hmm. that you're trying to find a way for your your employees who may not work within your four walls, may not work with even in the same region your company is at. Mm -hmm. And how do we make sure that they have a common experience? Um, that way it's better for their customers, it's better for their employees collaborating with each other. Um and, and it's better for the company from a security standpoint. When you start talking about right, the foundations of um, zero trust, which everybody wants to talk about now, and mm -hmm. it really comes down to least privilege, how can I control that easily? Well, I put them on a resource that is inside our, you know, inside our data center, inside our four walls. They go, well, that's great, but the people aren't inside our four walls. Right. In our virtual desktop. Um, so I think you know, where it fits and where it's right for customers who want, need that type of control, you walk them down that path, they see the value of it. Um, and then and then you can explain to them, yeah, yes, that's the value of the virtual desktop. Now here's the value as, the, as a service side of that. Mm -hmm. um, and when the two come together, um, you really get to cover a lot of bases of you know, where they're trying to take their business very quickly. Right. And we touched on an IT staff, like cost center versus profit center. When when you are trying to go and deploy virtual machines on-prem, like that's, like you said, it's a full-time job. And then when you go to a, as a service model, like it just takes so much of that work. And now, like if you were talking to a customer, how do you sell that idea of here's all the things your IT staff could be doing if they weren't doing all this sort of, not that it's mundane, but it's like, it's a lot of work, right? So what are you talking to in that regard about like, 
how much more the IT staff could be doing if they didn't have to sort of keep the lights on, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of that starts with just simple questions to, the, you know, to the business leaders themselves. It's like, you know, what do you just ask them? Hey, what what do you want your guys working on? Mm-hmm. What do you want your team working on? What do you want your IT people working on? Um, and and what's important to the business? And they'll start answering those questions. And um, you know, you're not really trying to be tricky, but you know, you follow that up with, okay, well, how much of their time are they spending on that today? Mm-hmm. And then that's when you know silence kind of hits the room, and it's like, oh well, you know, that's that's the goal. That's what we want them to do, but they're not really spending their time on that today. All right, so let's start talking about what we can take off your hands. So that you can get ultimately what you want for your business. What you, right. you want something out of the investment you're putting into them. These things don't seem to be it. You didn't list, you didn't list rack servers is what you want these guys to do. You listed, you know, you know, modernize our applications right. uh, for our users to work hybrid or, mm-hmm. or, you know, make sure our um, customer experience is, is high when they're engaging with us through technology means nowadays. I mean, it, you're, you're not doing cabling. Right. So, so just really having the business speak to that so that they can kind of start drawing that picture in their own mind. And I think right. they have to see it first, right? It's almost like, um, the, it's almost like going to uh, the movie Inception, right? You have to plant the idea in their mind mm-hmm. that their idea that is growing that, oh, yeah, this is not what we want from the investment we're putting in our employees. We need them doing something else. Somebody else needs to take this on, this low level stuff on for us. Sure. So, you know, uh, Obviously, you've worked with Evolve IP before. Um, so what was it like, you know, working through that with us for your customer? Um, I guess specifically on a, uh, on something like a DAS solution. Like what, what is that process like? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, usually that starts with, you know, it starts with a conversation, um, you know, from, from our side with the customer. We're trying to figure out, you know, what are you, again, what are you trying to accomplish? What is our customer trying to accomplish? Walk them down the path of, okay, here are some ways you could do that. And then it's really kind of getting into the, based on our research, based on what we've seen in the market, here's the pros and cons. And it may come down in a virtual desktop world to here's on-prem, here's doing everything like in a service like Azure virtual desktop, or here's more of a hybrid approach of something they can do kind of both ways. In, in getting, you really want that to be collaborative with the customer. What does that mm-hmm. seem like it aligns to you? And then kind of rank those solutions. And then we would go find, you know, hopefully a provider that can come help speak to this. And we bring Evolve IP in. We're kind of saying, okay, um, here's the, here's the conversation we've already had with the customer. Here's what they want. We're, you know, we're making sure that we're in alignment with that one. So, you know, one of the values we want to bring as a customer not to have to repeat themselves is they talk mm-hmm. to many different people. Uh, but again, we want it to be valuable to a partner like Evolve too. We don't want to just throw Evolve into something that doesn't match up. Right. So there, there's really three entities here. It has to be right for Opcala. It has to be right for the customer and it has to be right for Evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise it's going to be a bad experience for all of us if, if one of those pieces doesn't fit. Right. And, and so we want to make sure we do our due diligence. So we're not just bringing our technology partners into a situation that doesn't fit. Right. Um, but then once we bring in Evolve to the, you know, into the projects, it's really getting their team on it. And what we want to do is we just want to sit and make sh- and manage expectation. Um, and, and we want Evolve to be the experts of what they're the experts at is desktop and how they service customers with their desktop. 
And right. so it's, you know, we, we let a ball really present on that and, you know, they do a great job of really breaking down, you know, just the technical ins and outs and answering all the questions and making sure customers feel comfortable with how they're going to do that. And even taking them through the steps, right. Of a pr proof of value, you know, anything they need to do. I mean, that's where Evolve has been great for us is just really not, not throwing it out there like, oh, just trust us. You're going to have a great experience and hoping right. they come over, but really making sure the customer knows this is going to meet and we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll do everything we can to make sure you get to test, you get to put hands on, you get to make sure this meets your needs and then help you roll it out. Um, but, but that's kind of like our path is to get everybody to the right place, not put any idea in a bad situation and then let Evolve go do what they're great at um, mm -hmm. in, in, in telling that story. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've certainly, um, had excellent experience working with Opcala. Um, you know, we, we're excited just for everything that's to come in the future. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was just like, what, what's your 30,000 foot view for where things are going in the next five years? You know, what, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, well, I mean, wow. I mean, you know, the, everything's on the big talking point now is AI. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, it's going to continue to develop. It's going to c continue, um, you know, whatever form that takes, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get some better, I don't know, better controls against that. It doesn't just get out and get, get let loose wild. Like I think it, it had started to, um, but again, I don't, I think everybody's talking about AI. And, and so what I think that actually leads to in me and it, and is, is more more and better analytics, um, you know, more and better data and analytics and decisions. Um, you know, I think that's where we're headed. I think that's what we're getting to is that it's not, it's no longer that gut feel, right? And we're already seeing that. I mean, we have so many customers that are talking about their data lakes and, you know, getting this data in. And I, you know, I remember when people first started talking about that, it was kind of side projects, right? It was, it was, Hey, we have some DBAs working on this and we had a, we kind of have some data gathering going on and, I think that's going to continue to grow until it encompasses all aspects of business and all aspects of technology in a biz business, or we can actually get insights from, I mean, we're just talking about desktop as a service, right? So getting insights from how are our call center employees interacting with the desktop that then interact and then their interaction with the customer that then interacts with our product, you know, and be able to draw correlations from all these things to determine, Hey, maybe there's a it seems crazy, but maybe this setting change that we make in our desktops that increases performance during these times will draw better call resolution for our customers coming in the call center at these times, um, which then makes happier customers. And, you know, and then when our customers are happier, we're seeing them go interact with these pages more. And, our, and it's just, you know, tying all that, all that analytics together to make better data decisions. And I think AI is going to have a huge part in that. Mm -hmm. But I think overall, it's going to be on about, it's going to be about getting results from data and getting, uh, driving better analytics. Sure. It's going to be exciting. I mean, AI is going to be, as we've already seen, you know, with chat GPT, I don't know if you've played around with that at all, but yeah. it's, it's pretty wild, um, where it is today. And, you know, it's only going to get, get crazier and better and faster and all that stuff. So, um, we've only got a couple minutes left here and I, I really appreciate you coming on, but, uh, you know, one last question would be if you had any advice to give somebody who's, you know, just getting into the channel or 
you know, just any advice at all for maybe another IT consultant company? I mean, what, what, what's your advice there? I, I mean, I, I think my biggest piece of advice is don't, um, I mean, I think, I think I was that way when I first came on out of college just because I'd not, not worked in this world before. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I wish I would, cause they're, you know, they're more than happy. Everyone that I've reached out to for help, I reached out to for assistance that I've reached out to just to increase my knowledge and help me has been more than willing to do that. And so, um, you know, I wish I would have leaned a little bit heavier into that, made those connections earlier and, and my start with Opcala and, and into this space and with those TSDs. So, you know, that would be my advice to anyone. Don't be afraid to lean into them because they will help you, you know, 24 by seven, um, 365. And they are there for that and um, take pride in doing it because that's their job. I mean, that's what they're there right. for is to, to help us as agents. So lean heavy, lean heavy into them. Excellent. Well, Mr. Jeff Garrett, uh, tell everybody how they can, you know, learn more about Opcala. Um, where can they find you? What do you got going on in the next, you know, couple of years? Oh, wow, man. I, I, I give it up to our marketing, uh, the department. I mean, we, we are heavy on events. We're heavy on things going on. It seems like we always have something going on webinars, um, in-person events. If, if you're in the right areas of where we're doing those. So. Um, you know, opcala.com. Um, it, if you want to check us out on the web, we have a lot of resources there. We're on LinkedIn. Um, just look up opcala on LinkedIn. There's not many opcalas out there, but so that, <laughs> that bright orange, and right. all the, the on, onto the orange logos, onto the orange color schemes. There you go. Um, we have a lot going on. So yeah, it, look us up. There's, there's a good chance to have two or three webinars, events, something going on in any given month. Um, so I'd love to have people come engage with us. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for the time, man. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to working with you and uh, we've got a lot of good things coming. So thanks so much. Yep. Thank you again, Zach. Really enjoyed it. That's a wrap on this episode of the Channel Champions podcast. You can find this and all our episodes on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite streaming platforms. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, guests, or topics, please reach out to us. We appreciate you coming along with us on this journey and hope you'll be back for the next episode. Until then, stay tuned, stay connected, and stay inspired.